0: Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan. And today we're here with Matt Granados. Super excited to be here with him. This guy is the founder and CEO of Life Pulse Inc., and really, they have been doing some incredible things when it comes to training and implementing successful practices and habits within a team. Now these guys have worked with big name companies like Google, the US military, in some cases, right? So we've seen a lot of really big companies working with them and using their process and seeing really amazing results. So I brought Matt in here today to really talk with us and and kind of give us an in-depth look at his process and how they're doing this in much larger companies so we can apply it in maybe our smaller businesses. So, Matt, say what's up to everybody and then we'll hop in, man.
1: What is going on? I am pumped to be here. Although you said I work with big businesses, I'm I'm a small entrepreneur at heart. I mean, that's what I love. That's what I love working with. I like telling people about those bigger companies for marketing purposes, but when it comes time to who could I pick to be the client or who could I work with, it's the people I can get in the trenches with. So... I'm super pumped, Josh. I appreciate what you guys do with this podcast. I think it's important.
0: I, I appreciate that. Well, and, and I want to ask you this, Matt, just to kind of kick this off because I thought it was almost a funny business, but so unique that it was so cool. Tell us about your first business. What okay. So out,
1: so the first business, I didn't tell you that there's explosive entertainment, right? Which was, that was when I was 15 and I started a DJing company, right? So that was like when you got the cool business cards, sweet 16s and the college and all that stuff. But That was what real made me realize that business was an option. What the first business that everyone jokes about um, was I started with a couple partners who I was the youngest by far. So I kind of lucked into this partnership, uh, but it's called pocket pets. So we're the largest distributor of a specific, uh, little brand, little animal that we call a sugar bear or a sugar glider. So, um, the little marsupials and we took that and then we offered it for individuals to come in and create their own little business within our business. So it's been a wild, wild trip. Uh, it's been a, lo- a nice decade plus of doing it, uh, but man, talk about learning lessons, right? You go to an MBA, you get certain lessons there, and then you start a business, and then you get the real lessons over here, and it's just been a wild trip. So, love it, love it, love it, and starting businesses, growing businesses is what I live for.
0: See, and, and I love it because I didn't even know about the DJing business, but look at the the, I guess, transformation or the growth of those type of businesses, right? Going from kind of a local business where you're dependent on foot traffic or word of mouth traffic to a business i mean you're selling something that nobody really knows they want until they see it right <laughs> like oh my goodness that's cute of course i want that right yeah i'm sure that had a, a big uh, thing to do with your with your business model right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> showing how cute they were and how getting people to want them as pets so you know, going from that and then now you're kind of into more of a transformational type business. These are the ones that I like to call legacy businesses. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the ones where you're really giving back and, and sharing what you've learned. I mean, like you said, what, 15 years now or so of, of business experience. I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. So for you, right. what of the three businesses, what would you say has been the one that fulfilled your purpose
1: most? It's easily this one we're working on right now, Life Pulse. No question about it. I've I've been lucky enough to find my purpose early on, and be able to tie in what we do with my purpose. Which, again, I, I I can explain that a little bit. But I always like to tell people that when you find out what your true purpose is, it's very broad, and there's usually a lot of businesses that you can do or a lot of roles you can play, in order to actually live out that purpose. Right? It's um, it's this concept that I like to teach. Uh, that I actually learned from a book called H three Leadership, which is a great book to lo- read. But it talks about how there's like yeah, there's your identity, then there's your purpose, then there's your uh, then there's your assignment. And too many times, we as business owners or entrepreneurs confuse our assignment with our purpose or our calling, and that's not who we are. One of my the clients that I have the biggest issue with this is my doctors. Right, I go to work with doctors. All day for 20 years, 30 years, they're called, they're called Dr. Smith, Dr. Whatever. And then all of a sudden they retired and they're no longer a doctor, but their entire life has been so identified as doctor as its assignment. When in reality, there's a bigger purpose of why you are doing what you're doing. So us as entrepreneurs is the same thing. We lose our business. Oh my goodness. What am I going to do? It's like, well, start another one. Like, like in reality, that's what we do. So it's not as big of an issue when you actually understand your purpose it's a lot easier to deal with the elements of life that are going to throw down on you than if you're constantly chasing all these shiny objects. So the purpose comes directly with life pulse. That is why I think it's growing as fast as it is. That's why it's so energizing when I do it. It doesn't drain me. It gets me going. And I'm telling you, the impact that we're seeing is is worth every second of growth. I love that. Well,
0: and in our pre-interview, you mentioned something that I thought was really interesting because I completely fall in this belief system. I, I've never been able to explain it though. So it was kind of cool how you, you delineated it, right? So what would be the big difference between passion and purpose? Yeah.
1: So passion's a sexy word, right? And sexy doesn't always work. If you're a true business owner, you've learned that, right? You've, you've probably, like I said, when I was doing explosive entertainment, when I was 15, my business cards were sexy, right? They had flames on it. I mean, they were awesome. All right. They didn't really get me any business, but they looked good. So what I mean by that is passion is sexy. So passion uh, is something that's really nice. We really enjoy it. We've, we've been told that that's what we want. Uh, but passion is an emotion. That's really what it is. And emotions are fleeting. And why would you ever spend your life chasing something that's fleeting? So passion is something that we choose. Purpose is much more stable. Purpose never changes. And a purpose is something that's been given to you. Now, I don't care where you think that source came from. That's not the conversation here, but we are all, we all have a purpose, a why are you here? And that's why we actually have an exercise that we put our, our all of our clients through. That is, it's why are you here? It's seven questions that you go through to find your purpose. But here's the key. If you want to find your passions, look in the future. If you want to understand your purpose, look in your past because those are all the clues from when you were a kid and you were playing that game. Why did you love Lego so much? Why did you love being a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle so much? Right, those were little passions that you had as a kid, but when you line them up with everything you've had for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, all of a sudden you start to see some trends that happened without your intention. So if you're looking to figure out why am I doing all this? Why do I enjoy beating myself, growing this company to a million dollars, $3 million, $10 or starting this company, right? Wherever you are in that journey, recognize that there's something that's happened in the past that will show you where you need to continue to go in the path, but we're so busy looking forward into the shiny object when I get there, when I hit 10 million, when I hit a hundred million versus go back to when you had nothing. What were those things that got you going? And I started circling back around and really leaning on them and doing them. And now energy is not an issue for me. I get energized by doing what I do every single day.
0: And and I love that delineation, especially because it's like passion is fleeting. And a lot of people are are building their lives around. Well, if I'm not passionate about it, how am I supposed to enjoy it? And Uh, this is always my argument. I'm like, does anybody really like to work? Right. A lot of entrepreneurs, we sell ourselves on, oh, we love to work. And I'm like, I don't think you love the work. I think you like the results of the work.
1: <laughs> or, or you like what you get from doing the work, right? That byproduct of it. So I really another kind of image of this is uh, thinking about an umbrella. In, in our book, we have a book called Motivate the Motivator, where I, I break this whole thing down, but there's a, a part where I talk about it as you have an umbrella. Think about how crazy you would be to be walking outside in the rain and take your umbrella and put it outside of your head right like you look like an idiot however that umbrella i want you to think of as your purpose and passions are all over the place and you can go and chase the passions but if you're outside of that umbrella which is your purpose when the elements come down you're going to feel risk Yeah, when you get told no failure all that stuff but for some reason when you're in line with your purpose and you have your passions and you you take your passions and you line them up with your purpose you now all of a sudden have this weird sense of protection so in the elements of life those failures rejection all that stuff that drives you nuts when i get told no about life pulse i feel bad for them like i didn't do them justice in, in articulating what i'm doing in a way so they see the value like i don't think we need that i'm going oh man I, I, did, I did you a disservice by not sharing that properly. And that's not like this weird ego, like I should be able to sell anything to anybody, but it's the fact that I know that my job right now on this planet is to share what we do to try to help the people we go to work with. And if I do that well, it's a benefit for everybody, but it's all about taking that purpose, figuring out what it is, looking at your past, finding your purpose, and then finding those passions you like, grab them and bring them underneath your purpose. You then will be protected from a lot of the things that throw people off their track. Love that. Yeah,
0: and, and I love that because it's, like you said, it's pulling it all together. It's it's putting it in line in the, in the, the correct order is really what I think it comes yeah. down to. So 100%. I, I want to kind of change directions here a little bit and talk a little bit about your methodology at Life Pulse because yeah. I, I thought it was such a unique way that you're working with people. You know, we meet a lot of people who go in and work with these large companies, right? They work with Google or what have you, you know, hundreds of thousands of people working for them. And they say, they come in and they try to fix structural things, but you're talking about going into the individual and solving business needs by solving personal problems. Yeah.
1: So where, where we got this from was when we were starting our, our one company, we would hire all of our individuals off Craigslist. So I would say that we didn't have, I used to say we had unqualified people, but that wasn't fair to them right, we had underqualified people, I meaning they were not qualified to be making six figures selling these animals all over the country. So what I realized was that their issues were not, how do I sell better? Their issues were not, how do I, their issues were, how do I cover child support? Like, how do I remember to call, and this is gonna sound weird, but how do I remember to call my, my parole officer to let him know I'm going out of state to go work so that I don't get a phone call on Monday and then have to go deal with a whole bunch of issues because they didn't make one simple phone call. And so we developed a system to teach them how to handle the rest of the life. And one thing led to another and led to another, led to another. And I realized that most people don't have issues with work. Like work's not the problem. Most businesses, especially now with all the regulations, like businesses can't make it an an unfair place to work. They used to be able to, now they really can't. So if you're having an issue, most likely there's something personal that's dripping into this. So because of that, when we go into these large companies, yes, there is place for structure. There is place for having different uh, type of management programs inside, inside. But what we work on, I always tell people is you have the tree. And in the tree, you have the bark, which is really important. And then you have the leaves. That's kind of what the customer sees. What we work on is the roots, which is the most important part of it. And that's the people. How do we get the individuals to tie what we call PVTT? That's personal value tied to task. How do you tie that to what the company's goals are? And that's what our entire book, Motivate the Unmotivated is all about that, right? At Light Pulse, we focus on three topics. It's intention, it's motivation, and it's structure. When we hit the motivation side, it's all about how do we bring personal value to the individual? If we do that, we can get them to do almost anything. Now, there's three questions you can ask people to understand and motivate anybody. They're very simple, right? So number one, and you should, if you have a team, ask them this once a week, number one, What are you focused on? Number two, what are you grateful for? And number three, what are you working towards this week? I ask these questions every time with all the people I work with. And what happens is after about four cycles of this, so four weeks of doing this, you're going to start seeing trends. And if an individual talks about their daughter every time when they talk about what they're grateful for, then maybe next time they have to go to a recital and you have a late delivery that you're going to pull them back hey, can you stay back and do this? you're pulling a lot more than you think, but you as a manager are so unaware of it because we don't we don't wanna cross this personal professional line that I'm telling you is gone. Since social media, if you're not trying to understand who your people are as, as people, you are the last to know everything. All your team knows what's happening in their personal life besides you because you're trying to avoid it so it doesn't come into the workplace. Guess what? It's already there. We just try to give you a system so you can easily understand it. Once you understand that person, you can motivate them to do anything. Once you really get what motivates them, what they care about, what they personally value, all your job is, is to tie that to the the amount of calls they need to make. You have to tie that to the the job they needed to do. Organizing invoices, getting invoices in time and connecting everything back to that personal value. It's like what Simon Sinek basically built this entire industry on of knowing your why. That's the key of it. That's what you should do. What I just told you is how exactly to do it.
0: And I and I love that because it's it's an actionable step everybody should be doing today, mm-hmm. um, it, and I just have to kind of put this into context too. So we actually just let go two people today. Okay. Um, I really don't like that part about a company, <laughs> um, and it, it was interesting. My my brother's one of my partners. He showed me this video from Moneyball, the movie, Moneyball. Yeah. Do you just do you want to take one in the head or do you want to take five in the chest and bleed out? Right. Right. And, um, so we've kind of been, we've treated our firing that way, right? It's one on the head, give it to them straight and say, Hey, here's what it is. Here's how we're going to help you. So yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm curious, how have you been using, cause I know this really isn't like your area of expertise is in firing people, but mm-hmm. how are you using those three questions to either prep for firing or, or in the firing
1: process? All right. So this is a loaded question. First off, I don't like the firing process, but I don't ever mind it because I truly see it as kind of freeing somebody right? Like, like it's, I always related. It's like the boyfriend or girlfriend doesn't want to break up with the person because they don't want to hurt their feelings. So they're waiting for them to break up with them. If you were managing your team well, outside of like downsizing and all the weird stuff that just happened with COVID, like this, this negates that that's a whole different conversation than what we're talking about here, but truly firing someone because they're not a fit or they're not qualified to do the job. Um, you're freeing them. You, 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 they are tormented being here. So that's the first thing I kind of, my mental understanding of it. So good job on freeing two people today. Congratulations. You made their life better. Um,
0: <laughs> and it's happy, change, baby.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, so here's what it is, though. I'm a big believer in the old adage of, you know, hire slow, fire fast, right? Kind of your point of the one to the head versus five to the chest. If you're giving them the systems that they need to succeed in your business, I think it's unfair to have that philosophy if you're not giving what they need in order to succeed. So what I, what I do when we're working with companies, because we're focusing on the individual's intention and making sure they're intentional in the things they do, because we're showing them the personal value that's tied to the task every single day, because we're giving them a structure, a nine part planner that they can use on a weekly basis, a structure to succeed. And because we're showing them how to stay motivated and how to motivate the people below them, when, it, when it's time for our clients to let people go, it's kind of like a mutual understanding. Like, it's like, hey, you've done what you could. We've done what we could. It wasn't that it was a bad hire. So just said it's a bad match. So let's leave on good terms. It's really interesting how firing for our clients has become um, just another step of the process, not in a bad way, but in like, a, okay, well, that didn't work. We've given you what you need. You're still not able to do it for your sake. Let's find you somewhere you can go. And they're able to leave on good terms. So that's really how how I've been able to handle firing recently. Prior to all of this is I've, I've been fast to fire. And if I would have understood where they're coming from, I think I could have saved some people who were in a rut, right? Another thing when it comes to motivation, I always tell people motivation is not a character trait, it's a state of mind. So if it's a state of mind, we can change it. But if we don't ask the right questions, we don't know where their head is or why they're acting the way they are. We just assume they wanna quit. I had, a, I had an assistant of mine who I thought was, she was just very, like, she went from being real happy to not happy all of a sudden. Every Monday, she would come in miserable. I'm like, I got to get rid of this. She's a bad bad hire, got to fire fast. Well, we started asking these questions. What's your one word focus? And all of a sudden, cancer comes up. I said, cancer? That's not your, you know, your birthday not that month. What, what do you mean cancer? Well, she's been going through chemo, leaving Friday early, which was bothering me. She didn't tell me why, though. Going to get chemo, suffering Saturday, Sunday, coming back to work on Monday, a little bit irritated. Do you think that changed my perception when I came to fire her? She didn't need to be fired. She needed to be understood so then we can rearrange how things worked. So what we did was we took her days, which Mondays were busy days, and we kind of started her week on Tuesday, right? We gave her another day to kind because she was always good the next day. So it's taking time to recognize that when you're motivating people, there's two ways to motivate people, out of fear or out of love. And love doesn't mean the kumbaya stuff that you're all like, come on, I've heard that. No, no, not that. I mean true love, which is really difficult. Fear is by using force, right? And we've all seen dictators do that. We've all seen people do that before. Love is using understanding, those three questions that I told you about. Taking the time to understand them. I always ask people, what takes longer? And the average person says, understanding them, right? Because I can just tell them to do their job and they just do it. Here is what happens. You are going to invest in these individuals. You either do it up front or you do it forever. Now you tell me which one's longer. When you're motivating by fear, you have to constantly be putting that force on them. Otherwise, the second you remove that gun, they're out of here, they're not gonna do. But you look at some of the people who are motivated out of love, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Princess Diana, Mother Teresa, Jesus. You look at these people who are motivated strictly out of love as historical figures. What happened when their presence was taken? It blew up, it got bigger the motivation got larger. So recognizing those things make it a lot easier when it comes to fire someone, they recognize, look, I get what you're going through. It's still not working. They almost already understand that it's time to go. See, And I love that
0: because it becomes, like you said, a mutual understanding. Um, mm-hmm. That's cool. We will apply that. <laughs> we will definitely apply that. And um, so, you know, we, do, we are kind of wrapping up the interview here. So I want to ask yeah. you a couple other questions just to kind of finish this off. The first one is um, you have a gift for our audience. Could you let us know where to gain access to that?
1: Yeah. So if anyone's interested, um, whenever I talk with a podcast that I, I, I genuinely like the message they're putting out to people and as an entrepreneur to other business owners or people who are interested in being a business owner, um, what I'm going to do is I'll put together kind of a package of some of the digital stuff that we have. and um, if you go to uh, Backslash pod gift. Um, You can see it. Uh, I'll bundle up basically everything we have. Go on there, uh, put that through. Um, Just make sure you let us know where you heard us from. Uh, That's a big deal so we can make sure that we we thank Josh and the crew crew over there. Uh, But I really want to make sure that you guys have tools to run with. Um, If you're a bigger company, you're like, "Ah, I don't know what I technically want, but I want it, we'll customize a program for you. So all you do for that is go to lifebullsync.com backslash uh, let us help. There's like, we need answers to answer. and our team will literally customize an entire program for what holes we see you have um, in your entire company. Our goal is to serve you and is to bring a structure. Um, the structure of Life Pulse, or we call this a structure of success, it's simply broken down like this, right? So it's your you're gonna annual retreat, quarterly review, weekly celebration, weekly planning, daily action. That is how we live and that's a structure that we're gonna teach no matter whether it's in your work or in your marriage, it's the same thing. Annual retreat with your marriage, quarterly reviewer. You touch and base with your spouse going, hey, are we good, right? Monthly celebration, going out to eat once a month and just enjoying each other, right? Even with your teams, are you celebrating versus every meeting you have with them is telling them what they're doing wrong. Have a celebration, forget what they're doing wrong. They know what they're doing wrong. Let's enjoy some of the stuff they're doing good. Weekly planning so you have some flexibility in how you do it and then finally, daily action. Just take the steps. If you take a step every day, 365 days later, you've gone pretty far.
0: Love that. Well, and I was going to ask you for one final parting piece of guidance. And I I think that might be it, but I want to ask you the question regardless. So if you could give one final
1: parting piece of guidance to our audience, what would that be? Uh, Start living intentional weeks, right? So here's what I mean by that. We have a book that's uh, probably released by the time this podcast is aired right? But um, we have a book called The Intentional Week that's coming out and we will be out. And it's all about how to bring intentionality back to life and looking at your weeks differently. And the reason why I do this is because um, if you're not intentional, you're, you'll lose your life, basically. You're not going to change your life in a week, but if you do change your weeks, you will change your life. There's no question about it. The reason we do everything on a weekly basis when it comes to being intentional is because a day is too short and a month is too long. If you're not planning your weeks out, you have no flexibility in your life. The reason we have our clients plan their weeks on Sunday before they start the entire week is because I always say he or or she who plans first gets to dictate when they meet with whoever they want. I can't even tell you the amount of times I've told Fortune 100 companies, sorry, I can't meet then because I have to go pick up my daughter. Can we meet on Tuesday? And they're like, sure, whatever. They, they don't have their plan like I do. So because of that, I can dictate the schedule. And then the final piece, just to give you something, just with that intentional piece that we work on is the entire schedule and, and the planner that we use in that book, we call it the LP. Um, it's all based on this concept that we created called reverse planning. The way most people do plans right now, they have to-dos and then they do it. That's their goal, that they have a to-do list and they do the list. To-do list, do the list. But there's no strategy behind that. What we do is called reverse planning. And here's how this works. I want you from now on, when you go to plan, list out what you want, then list out what needs to be done. And the key is you only do what is important. You follow that process through, right? Our book has these nine questions that I put you through that, including those three questions that motivate people, RLP. But you follow that concept of what you need what, or what you want, what you need, and then do what's important, meaning what's related to a goal of yours, delegate everything else, focus on what's important, I promise you, your life is gonna start feeling like you're walking on ice. It is so smooth, so slick, so much easier once you have some intentionality. And if you know you're walking on ice, it's a lot easier to enjoy versus randomly slipping on it.